0: 1 Samuel 25 I'll just read a couple verses And let you be seated Now I will tell you um, The Lord has this way That he kind of speaks to me In here during the week When I'm praying With nobody else around He kind of talks to me About what he wants me To talk about And And I I've been very honest with you, I, if, if, I think, if, if I think, man, I don't know if that even makes sense, I'll call somebody. Uh, and you need people in your life that can tell you, no, that's, that's, that's not your best. <laughs> How many know you need somebody besides your mom in your life? You, you, need, you need somebody who will tell you your clothes don't match. You need somebody. Husbands, I'm not trying to set you up for anything. Do I look good in this? Careful. That's not what I'm... Ladies, you need somebody else you can ask besides your husband because they feel like they have to tell you yes. But I called somebody. I said, I can't get away from this thought. I said, I feel like Sunday morning God wants to give some people deliverance from some baggage they've been carrying. Uh, I cannot get away from this text. And... uh, so my friend said, said, wow, I feel the Holy Ghost as you're telling me this. And it was as if the Lord said, I wasn't good enough when I told you. <laughs> and uh, I trusted you all along, but I wanted to make sure that. So if you don't get it, I'm just going to forewarn you. If you don't get it, it might not be for you. But it's for a bunch of people in this house that need to hear what I'm going to preach today. Okay, is that all right? 1 Samuel 25. I want to look here at uh, look at verse 9. And when David's and when David's young men, when they came, they they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said. Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Should I I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed from my shears and give it unto these men? I don't even know where they came from. David's young men, they turned, they went, and they came. They told him all those things. David told him in verse 13, then go ahead and get your sword. <laughs> go ahead, get your sword. And every man girded on his sword. And there went after David about 400 men, 200 of them abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, this is one of Nabal's young men, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. Abigail, you need to know this. They were very good to us. We were never hurt. We didn't miss anything. As, as long as we were there, and we were in proximity with them, conversant with them, when, when, when we were in the fields day and night, they were there any time we were keeping the sheep. Go down to verse 18. Abigail, she made haste. She took 200 loaves. She took bottles of wine. She got sheep ready. Parched corn ready. 100 clusters of raisin and 200 cakes of figs. She brought them, she laid them on the asses, and she said unto her servants, Go on before me and I'll come after you. She keeps coming down. David had said surely in vain. Verse 21, verse 22. And God so God do also uh, to the enemies of David. If I leave all this that pertained to him. Verse 23, here it is. And when Abigail saw David, when Nabal's wife saw David, she hastened. She got down off that donkey. She fell before him. She, 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 she's at his feet. And she said, upon me, Lord, let it be this iniquity. I, I, I pray thee, and here, here's, here's, you need to understand this. Verse 25, let my, not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for his name is, so he is. As his name is, so is he, Nabal. His name meant fool. Uh, David has mercy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about the text. I won't read anymore. I want, to preach. I want to preach to somebody, and I'm telling you, I feel like the Lord has sent me to help some people in this room today in spite of Abigail. That's what I want to preach to you. In spite of Abigail. Okay, I want you to pray. Lord, thank you for these great people that have taken the time to be in the house of the Lord. I pray you'd make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer I want to be able to speak and preach I want to be able to do some teaching here today, but certainly some preaching and ministering. But more than just inspiration, I want to edify the body. I want to speak as though I I know what you have spoken to me. I want to be able to deliver it to the people. And I need you to help us here today. I'm asking that you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that and you're ready to receive the word, I want you to shout amen. Now, turn. You got to turn mask and all. You got to turn. Few people give them the chicken elbow and tell them, "I guess he's preaching in spite of Abigail." I was just a young child. I was standing on our property. We lived on a farm in southern Illinois. We had a big red barn. We had zero animals except for two beagles. We had some chicken snakes, but they weren't ours. I was there. My grandfather, my mom's father, before he had passed, he he came and he was there one day. My grandfather liked westerns. He liked the thought of being a cowboy. Some of you wouldn't admit it, but you like the thought of being a cowboy. <clears throat> Anyone in this room own a cowboy hat? Raise your hand. Be proud about it. Oh, look how many people. We might need a Western Sunday. <clears throat> <clears throat> he had boots, and he loved to carry a six-shooter. It's one, th- yeah. it's one thing to be a concealed carry. It's another thing to have a six-shooter. I think he had spurs and never rode a bull. But I'll never forget this particular day. It was a fall day and Grandpa was at our house about 35 miles south of where they lived. And and I had the opportunity to hang out with Grandpa. Now, if your grandma or your grandpa spoiled you, that was always fun. They let you have candy when you weren't supposed to have candy. Come on. Some of you grandparents here, you love having the grandkids over because now you can feed them whatever you want and send them home kids looking at you like what'd you give them nothing i didn't give you <clears throat> i don't want to go too far down that road but i and he was there that day and he was in cowboy mode and i wanted to be a cowboy since he was a cowboy and i i remember standing out in the field there by him and there was a big oak tree the kind of oak tree that had the deep bark on it where you could put stuff in the inside and he had this six shooter and he was pulling it out of his pocket, and he was shooting stuff. And I didn't recognize then, but he was in a little bit of a show-off mode, Brother Barkus, and so he, he pulled a penny out of his pocket. He fastened that penny in the bark of that tree. Now, nobody called the treasury on me or anything. He's passed anyway, but he, he was going to shoot that penny. And I remember being a kid, folding my arms and thinking, what? Now, he wasn't that far it was a six shooter he was probably only about maybe 10 steps something like that but that was still pretty amazing to me as a kid and and he had that penny and sure enough ladies and gentlemen he powdered that penny put a, a hole right through the edge of that penny what did i do i did what any kid in my position did i want to shoot it 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 no no i want to shoot it can i shoot it how about I shoot it? No, not right now. Mm, can I shoot it now? Can I shoot it now? You think I can shoot it now? Till finally I wore him out. <laughs> yeah, like a kid in the checkout line needing candy. Why do they put the candy in the checkout line? My God have mercy. And so I, I, I remember standing there and finally he resolved to let me shoot the the pistol and I was holding, and now some of you won't even understand what I did wrong, but some of you will. The only thing I had ever shot, I did grow up in southern Illinois, and so we had shot a shotgun or a long gun where you would hold it, you put the, the, the stock on your shoulder, and you hold out like this. This was just a little pistol, and I was a, a little guy, and so I could not hold it. It was heavy enough that I could not hold it, and I remember taking that gun, and I took my left hand, and I put it on the barrel like this. Oh, some of y'all know. Where were you when I needed you? <clears throat> and he said, he said, son, you can't hold it like that. And I said, I have to. Over and back and forth. Hold it. And so I took my hand. No, I have to. No, you can't. Now, he's from the old school. He'd only tell you so many times. You know, he was one of them. Let them put their hand on the stove. They'll figure it out. And I... <laughs> Finally, I resolved. I said, I have to. It's too heavy. And about that time, I, remember, I, I can still remember him, him going, okay. <laughs> I now know to get very nervous when I hear someone say, okay, in the right way. Okay. That's kind of like, you're, you're lost, buddy. Because I remember I was pointed at that little penny in the tree and I, I, had my, I, I kept my left hand on it and he was standing right here. And I, I, to this day, 30 years later, I remember firing that trigger. And for some of you that don't know why that is a bad idea, the shot of powder that hit my left hand, I dropped the whole gun. I screamed and said these words. Why would you let me do that? it wasn't his fault he told me over and over and over but I was determined to do it my way have you ever met anybody when you looked in the mirror determined to do it their way you ever been so hard headed you couldn't get that you were hard headed through your hard head Nabal was hard-headed. The problem was somewhere along the way he got hard-hearted. And he's married to a good woman. It's tough to see a good woman married to a bad guy. Uh Uh-huh. But it happens. It does happen. Now we're in a place in the text here where David's got these renegade men, these 600 men, and they are fighters. I mean, David's men are bad to the bone. If I, I could have all kinds of fun walking through stories of what David's mighty men have done. At one point, not too long ago, a month or so ago, we preached about Shama when he was defending the, the bean patch or the lentils that day, you might remember. And so But David's got a host of mighty men. They were fighters. And they were camped out in a place where they were guarding without being requested. Now no one was coming to them and and asking them and filling out contracts and how about when the Arabs come out? How about when the Ishmaelites come out of the the, the hills in the night to try to take our cattle? No one was coming with a contract and David was signing it and saying, okay, we'll let you keep 70 goats this month. No, 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 no. They were just living there. And since the men were there, They were guarding those of wealth when they would bring their cattle or their goats and they would allow them to be watered and they would allow them to pasture as they were moving through or if they were from a household where they were being grazed, they would guard over them in this particular area because there were many renegades that would come and they would try to take things that were not their own. How many think that sounds a lot like the devil? They would try to come and steal things that were not theirs. And David in a type and shadow being a man after God's own heart, he was kind of the underdog protector. He really guarded himself with what was burdened in his own heart and mind. It was this same David who seemed ostracized as it were by his own family. David was the low man on the totem pole when Samuel showed up to the house. David was the only one not invited for the king anointing. A minute imagine that setting. Where Jesse's standing there and Amminadab, and Eliab and the rest of the fellas, they're all bronzed and beautiful, standing there, got rippling biceps and muscles, and David's out. He's got he's got sheep dung under his nails. Samuel's standing there, and the Lord's saying, Is not any of these? I know they look strong, and so they got a call for David, and David comes in, and you know he's the Bible says he's ruddy, he's good to look upon. He he runs in, the screen door slams. <laughs> Samuel's standing there horn of oil and the Lord says don't look on his countenance look on his heart while they've been prepping for you thinking it was how they look he's been on the backside of a meadow saying as the heart panteth after the water brook so panteth my soul after thee O God so this is that same David who feels ostracized and alone it's one thing, for, it's one thing to have issues with your brother it's another thing when even your dad doesn't invite you and then end up in a situation where the king you're meant to serve is throwing spears at your head. That's a tough, tough job assignment. The truth is, in this place where we get to David guarding, David has this little bit of himself, it's built up inside of him. They're guarding, they're working, but the men are tired, the men are hungry, and Nabal has more than enough. Nabal's wealthy. Nabal's wealthy, but he's stingy. He's one of those people who say, I didn't get rich by giving my money away. Right? I didn't get all these goats by giving goat away. I don't know that he talked like that, but it sounds good. It seems like a very VeggieTale-esque way. And David sends the, the young men Imagine this, in a world where everybody that was not protected, they were losing goats. Now, I know goats is not translating to some of you. Unless you really like gyros, you're not really concerned about what I'm talking about right now. But imagine it in context of today, that you're sending workers, and every time you send workers, let's turn it from goats into piles of cash, okay? And every time there's people that are being protected and being guarded, it seemed like It was an easy thing for David to ask. Hey, why don't you bless us a little bit? Now, to us, if we're not careful, it sounds pretentious. The problem is everybody else was blessing. It was a modern part of the culture of the time. The people that are protecting you, Brother Massengill, they just give them a little something. You scratch my back. I scratch your goats. (laughs) Nabal. Woo, you got to imagine this. Arrogant, greedy, hard-headed Nabal said, Who is David? Oh, oh no. Oh no, you didn't. I had a cousin when we were kids. He really liked to fight. He's been watching this some. He'll probably end up texting me about this. I heard him say a dozen times in my life somebody would start talking smart to him i heard him say over and over the only thing between us is space and opportunity <laughs> yeah i feel i like i don't condone fighting hear me now unless you fight if you're going to be contentious be contentious in prayer that's what i say but we were kids and it was cool who is david who is the son of jesse oh man all that stuff that was locked to all that childhood insecurity all that stuff that was locked up inside of him. I got 600 guys that will knock your head off. Who is David? What did he do? David did not say, let's just go to another company. Let's keep a rational head. <laughs> let's, no, the next verse is David said, get your swords on. <laughs> get your, you're going to know my name by the end of the day. <laughs> you going to know my, you don't know it now, you're going to know me. You're going to know me. But Abigail gets word because one, listen to this, one of Nabal's servants was smarter than Nabal himself. One of his teenagers had enough common sense. He ran to Abigail. He ran to the wife. This was a good woman, y'all. This was a good woman. Here's part of the problem. You know that same Samuel that had validated David? Samuel just died. So he's not only dealing with his childhood stuff, he's dealing with the fact that the only person who's publicly validated him is now dead. And Nabal had the audacity to ask you, Dave, you think because Samuel died, I'm going to let you turn me into a nobody again? Man. Abigail gets word, and Abigail runs to the kitchen. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Start making cakes and fig cakes. Get clusters of... Are we feeding the army? We're feeding an army. That's how you feel. It used to feel maybe at a church potluck or something, you know. How many are you feeding? What do you think? 50, 60? 800. We're going to need ham salad for 800. You always know how big the crowd is based on how small those little sandwich triangles are. <laughs> Come on, you know. Anybody that's ever done any kind of catering, and you know. Oh, we can stretch that croissant. We can. <clears throat> we can. That's three or four sandwiches. Start getting all this food ready. And Abigail runs out. David is strapped up. Soldiers got their swords on. they're coming. I love, the, I love the verse that says, 200 of them just guard the stuff. i we'll preach about that sometime. But here they come, the rest of them, and they're marching. They're going to they're give oh, I'm telling you, Nabal's about to have a bad day. But Abigail shows up, falls at the feet. When her husband could not recognize a king, she could. Mm. Mm. When her husband refused to recognize the power of his presence, she recognized it anyway. When the person she was supposed to be the closest to told her it was foolish and didn't matter, she recognized that to reverence him mattered more. And she fell at his feet. And she said, let the charge be on me. Let it be done to me. And then she says those words. He is what his name is. Say what? He's a fool. Oh, call no man a fool. She said, he's a fool. Don't worry about him. You know what she was telling David? He's not worth your time. <coughs> He's not worth your energy. He's not worth you getting all hot and bothered about. I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, take my life instead of his. And Abigail becomes the voice of calm in the middle of a situation. She saves Nabal's life. She does. She fights on his behalf with the power of her humility because humility will get you into the presence like nothing else will. Woo! My, my. Her humility gets her in the presence of David and and she begins to speak. And it saves Nabal's life. And Nabal, being none the wiser, throws a party like he's a king, greedy and foolish, has no idea that his head would have got rolled off hours earlier. You ever see somebody and you're thinking, "You, you, you don't even know how lucky you are. Oh, you know it. People that are so blessed and don't even recognize it. That's why I get really bothered when I, it's tough for me when I travel overseas and then I come home and I hear people complain about silly things. People want to be upset because the air conditioner isn't working good. <laughs> but we're spoiled, aren't we? are spoiled are not we Nabos has got no idea his head was going to be on a fence post. And he throws a party. Look at me. Look at all my goats. Look at all my prosperity. And they get drunk that night. Abigail tells him nothing about what's been salvaged, waits until the next morning. The next morning when he gets up, the Bible says she begins to disclose what she had done. Now you should read in your text that that Nabal said to her, Oh, Abigail, I've been so foolish. You should read in your text that Naboth said, I can't believe I've done this. You saved me, Abigail. But no, that's not what happened. He is so upset that it happens. His hard head and his hard heart work together. Commentaries say it was either a stroke or a heart attack. But I do know this. He laid there in that bed and ten days later he dies. Because whether or not he was going to live righteous had nothing to do with Abigail. And that's what I've come to preach for somebody for the next few minutes before I'm done. Whether or not he was going to be an honorable man had nothing to do with Abigail. Abigail fought for his life, but he refused to fight for his own. And in spite of Abigail, he made it through this night, but his heart was so hardened that he refused to live right even when the chance was given. I've come to set somebody free in this house, and I don't know who I'm talking to. But it has become the burden of your mind and the burden of your heart because they will not honor the presence of the king. But I've come to liberate you today in spite of Abigail Nabal would not live right. And there are people right now in your life that will not choose to live right, but it's not about you, and it has nothing to do with you. You know what Abigail made up her mind? I'm going to get in the presence of David anyway, even if Nabal won't. And I've come to preach to somebody on this Sunday morning. Even if your parents won't, you've got to live for God. Even if your spouse won't, you've got to live for God. Even if your children are backsliding, you've got to live for God. Yes. In spite of Abigail yeah but I'm afraid if I could just spend a little more time you've spent plenty of time for I'm telling you to love them yes I'm telling you to be nice to them yes but I'm telling you you don't need to skip church to spend time with him you don't need to compromise your doctrine to try to make them feel oh I feel like preaching now you don't need to compromise what you believe or how you live or how you act so that you can please Nabal if Nabal wants to be a fool let Nabal be a fool but you get in the presence of the king come on somebody oh brother brown i believe this with all my heart we cannot be led to hell by people that do not want to live for god i'm gonna say it again you cannot be led to hell by people that don't want to live for you gotta make up your mind whether nabal wants it or not i'm gonna live Come on, college students. There's a bunch of you here. Your siblings don't live for God. Or one of your parents doesn't live for God. Or your cousins. Well, I got plenty of family, Brother Galleon, that walked away from God. But Nabal's got to make his own mind up. Ask for me. Ask for me. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to live for God. Yeah, but my spouse won't come. you got to live anyway. What if I would have done something different? That's what I'm after right now. It's not your fault. If I could come and I could take the baggage off your shoulders or pull it out of your spirit right now, I would. And I'm trying verbally to do just that. It's not your fault you dedicated that baby to the lord you brought him to the house of god you saw him baptized in jesus you have done everything you can and they hit a certain age now yes you keep loving and you keep reaching but don't you dare start compromising don't you dare start giving I don't know who I'm preaching to. I think it's a bunch of people in this house right now. Whether it's a brother or sister or a spouse or a child. Whether it's a family circle. I don't know what it is. But I do know we've got to come to a resolute determination. Whether Nabal wants to have common sense or not. This life is not going to last I stood over the casket of our sweet sister, Vani yesterday, and I'm going to tell everybody what I told that congregation. This life is not going to last very long, and we better make sure we are ready to meet Jesus. Throw your hands towards heaven all over the room right now. Come on, I want you to really pray. Yeah, my parents don't understand it. You got to live for God anyway. Yeah, but my spouse is giving me a hard time. You got to live for God anyway. Uh, we need to pray in the room. We, we, we really need to pray right now all over the house. If it doesn't pertain to you, I want you to pray for somebody in the house. I want you to just say, God, whoever it is, I want you to begin to give them freedom. God's trying to give some freedom in this house right now. Allowing people to feel the liberty to live for him. Yeah, I feel a little little break right there. Go ahead, pray. A little break right there. Come on, Nabal is foolish. And he's trying to drag you down. He's trying to take your mind and take your spirit. Woo! I want you to feel light. I want you to feel encouraged I want you to feel strengthened the Lord wants you to know you just love me and you just live for me let me ask a question across this room of hundreds that are gathered does anybody know that you're only here by the grace of God wave at me if you know you're only here by the grace of God then, Brother Galleon, for me to let somebody destroy that means I've got to let them become more powerful than the grace of God to draw me away. And there is nobody. Hear me right now. How many services have we gathered in and shouted when the preacher said, hell cannot drag us away and the gates of hell will not prevail against that and we'll shout about that. But unfortunately, right now, what I'm addressing is not hell at all. I'm talking about Nabal. I'm talking about kids. I'm talking about teenagers. I'm talking about young adults and spouses, co workers. And you've hit your face time after time, and you've laid at this altar and said, oh, no, 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 let the charge be! don't let them be lost. And you hear me, if you've ever heard anybody preach it, you know I preach it every week. I believe that God can reach them. But I need this church to hear me clearly, even if they won't make a step. You sought for their life at the feet of the king and Nabal still getting drunk and acting like a fool. The enemy would love you to sit down and wallow in despair and turn it into a mental game of if God even loved me. Or you want to know the big one a bunch of you are fighting right now? How can I win souls if I can't even win them? Man, I come to give liberty today. I tell you, I feel feel liberty in this house. How am I supposed to be a soul? I can't come to Saturdays and learn about evangelism because I can't even read. Abigail did not just save Nabal. She saved all those others that were going to die innocently. Woo, God have mercy. Do not let the fact that they refuse to come and the fact that they refuse to live for God make you believe that you cannot save others and you cannot reach others and you cannot be influential. I don't do this much but I'm gonna preach to the camera right now and I'm gonna tell anybody that might be watching and refusing to come we got people that are wore out mentally and emotionally and you know your call is to be back in the house of God anyway and you know that he put a call on your life and so I'm yelling at you like Nabal and saying you better get things right and you need to get in the house of God and you need to get things cleared out because Abigail's been pleading on your behalf but there's not much longer left I don't know if you believe it, there's not much longer left this world is about to wrap up and we got to reach everybody that we can if i can't save nabal i'm gonna save his men if i can't get nabal i'm gonna get his servants if i can't get nabal i'm gonna get the sheep herders if i can't get nabal i'm gonna get the shearers i'm gonna reach everybody 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 Nabal's better, in spite of Abigail, I'm gonna do what I want. But I'm here to preach in spite of Nabal. We're gonna live for God. In spite of Nabal, we're gonna live for God. Stand with me in the house of the Lord and begin to magnify his name. Come on, really magnify the name of the Lord. Just tell him that you love him, that you want to serve him, that you want to live for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let prayer, come on, let prayer rise up out of this house. Come on, sometimes Nabal is a parent that makes fun of your new decision to live for God. Sometimes Nabal is a spouse that's got rock and roll blaring when you walk in from church. Sometimes Nabal is a young adult who refuses to live for God when they know it's right. if I've ever felt like I stood at this podium and reached. They say one of, the, one of the mental responses, it's hard to understand. But time after time after time, drowning men have saved those who were trying to help them. They're at the place where oxygen is has evaporated, and they're just and they're beyond mental comprehension, recognizing it's someone trying to help, and they pull and they and they push and they grab and they're swinging, and they. You gotta reach, but you cannot reach at the expense of your own soul. how don't you don't you misunderstand mama I believe I believe God can still reach your baby you know how many prodigals we've seen come back to God I believe brother Kevin prodigals come home prodigals come home I don't want to embarrass my friend right here, but he is laid hour after hour after hour working in there. But he told me in the foyer the other day. He said, I can't miss a prayer because I know what it means to get to come home. And so I'm telling you, you keep reaching. But if Nabal won't live for God, I want that weight off your shoulders. If you'll get yoked with God, He'll help bear that burden. You're not carrying it on your own. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you can't save them anyway. Well, I'm trying to give them grace. It's not your grace that'll save them. I'm trying to give them mercy. That's fine, but it's not your mercy. Love them enough to live right. No, I don't think you need to harp on them. I don't think you need to be ready to preach. I don't think you need to set up a lectern in your living room. But let His mercy be on display through your life. Let His grace be on display in your life as you love them, but as you love Him more. Is oh, it's my husband. You, you, you don't understand. No, no, I do understand. Love him first. Love God first. Set the example. And if they'll live for him, it's a beautiful thing. But if they won't, know that you've done what you're called to do. your hands towards heaven with me if you'll receive this i want you to begin to tell the lord god i'm receiving this I'm, I'm receiving this. somebody feels like praying and weeping over a prodigal right now that's okay go ahead and do that because some of you what you need to do is you dedicate oh i feel this right now some of you dedicated them as a child and you need to hand them back to god again right now you need to hand them back to god right now Yeah, but pastor, I don't know where they're living. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. I know it breaks your heart. And it breaks my heart too. But that weariness is going to destroy you if you don't give it to God. Oh, pastor, you don't understand. It's been so overwhelming. He understands. That's why he sent me to preach this to you on a Sunday morning. Give it to God. Surrender it to God. Well, should I pray for them every morning? Should I call their name before God every night? Should I still spend time with them every time? Yeah, 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 but you cannot. (laughs) You cannot let Nabal's decision Hey boy, you You're not going to dictate.